Good morning, family. This is Pastor Gordon Zalo. It's always a pleasure, it's always a privilege to come and share God's word with you. And I'm trusting God that today's message will encourage you, today's message will strengthen you, and today's message will grow you spiritually. Um, as we join the nation in prayer, I would like us to spend an hour, find time before the day is over, just to pray for our nation, to pray for the world, to pray for coronavirus, to leave us and to pray for those that are in the forefront in dealing with this disease. My message this morning is, it's not your story. My message this morning to you, it's titled, it is not your story. This story is God's story about you. Yes, you are in the story. Yes, the story is about you, but it is God's story about you. It is God's story about you. God is the author of the story. It is not your story. And I'm here to encourage you to start to look at life differently and actually say my life is in God's hands my life is a story that God wrote about me before I was born the Bible says before I was born he wrote every day into the book so God created God wrote a story about you about me before I was born very often we find ourselves as individuals stressed worried because we take what is God's story and make it our story. Yes, we are in the story. Yes, we are part of the story. But it's a story that God, the author, the great author, has written about us. And the good thing about our author is that he has a plan. He has plans to prosper us and plans not to harm us, but plans to give us a future and hope. The author of our story is on our side. The author of our story has all of us in his heart. The author of our story loves us and cares about us. It is not our story. It is a story about us. And as I was preparing this message, I looked at my life, I reflected on my life and actually said, you know, I can attribute very little about my life to myself. Everything, what I am, what I've been blessed with comes from God. It is God's story about me. Let me not be frustrated about trying to make a story out of me for God. It's God's story about me. It's God's story about me. The one that authors the story cares about you. Let me just illustrate this with an, with an example. And... Let's say there's a, a large painting and an end gets onto that painting. And I want to assume that the paint, the end can pick up shades of color. And the end walks on this, on this uh, painting. It walks and it walks on a dark patch. It walks on a dark color. It's there for some time that it moves on to a brighter color and then it moves on to a color that is in between dark and light. Walks on this painting. Does the painting change because of the ant's experience as it walks through those different colors. And I'm saying to you, your life is like that. You walk through different shades. You walk through different situations. You, look, you walk through different colors. But the painting, 
The beautiful painting that God has painted about your life doesn't change. I'm going to illustrate this with an example found in the Bible. We'll turn our Bible to the book of Genesis, Genesis 37, and we are going to be reading from verse 3. Genesis 37, we are going to read, be reading from verse 3 to a 4. Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children because Joseph made for Joseph a, a beautiful robe, but his brothers hated Joseph because their father loved him more than the rest of them. They couldn't say a kind word to him. So here is a situation. God has blessed Jacob with a son in his old age, a, a handsome son, and Jacob cannot hold himself from loving the son so much that he makes a coat of many colors for him and his brothers, uh, Joseph's brothers, uh, hate Joseph because of how much love his father has poured Onto him, and as Joseph begins, uh, as Joseph grows, he starts to uh, dream, and 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 a few times he comes and shares his dreams with his brothers, and one day he shares his dream with uh, his his father. And he is rebuked and everyone says, Joseph, do you think that one day you will be king over us? Do you think that one day you will rule over us? And one day, Jacob sends Joseph to his brothers and Joseph walks he looks for them, eventually finds them. And in verse 29, as Joseph approaches them, they said to one another, look, this dreamer is coming. Come, therefore, let us now kill him and cast him into some pit. And we shall say, some wild beast has devoured. of his dream what comes up what becomes of his dreams they think that they can eliminate they can terminate the dream but i'm here to tell you that god's story about you no one will change I'm here to say to you, there are blessings that are yours that no one will take from, from you. There is favor that is yours that no one will take from you. There is nothing that people can do to take away what God has blessed you with. Can I have an amen there? Absolutely nothing. You can read later, they took his coat, but they assisted God in taking Joseph towards the dream. They assisted God in moving Joseph to where the dream was going to be manifested. When he got to Potiphar's house, uh, Potiphar's uh, wife took off Joseph's coat, thinking that he was taking to prison, but he was bringing him closer to the palace. I am saying to you, child of God, no one will remove the grace and favor that's upon your life. They can take the coat away. They can take your possession. They can take everything around you. But there is an anointing. There is a label. There is a calling. There is a blessing. There is an anointing over your life that no one can take.
Circumstances cannot take that. He was in the pit in bad circumstances, but that pit did not take away the blessing, the story that God had written about Joseph. I'm saying to you, there's a story about you. There's a story about you. It's about you. It's not yours. It was never about, it was never going to end that way. That is not how the story ends. It's a story about you, but God is the author of your story. I'm saying to you, there's favor around you. I'm repeating this. There is favor around you. There is favor that is yours. There is favor in the book of Psalm, Psalm 5 verse 12. The Bible says, surely, Lord, you bless the Russians. I'm saying to you, you are blessed irrespective of what's happening around you. You surround them with your favor as with, as with a shield. Father, this is a psalmist saying, Father, you bless those that are righteous. You protect them. You cover them with your favor. I'm saying you are covered with favor. And the psalmist again in Psalm 30 verse 5 says, For his anger lasts only for a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. I am saying to you, child of God, there's a story about your life, and the one that is writing the story has got ink of favor, has got blessings that are yours because you are the righteous. No one, nothing shall take that away from you. Hallelujah. The brothers of Joseph then sell Joseph. They don't kill him. They decide, no, let's make money out of him. Let's sell him to these traders that are going past. And these are Midianites. They sell Joseph to this crowd. And this crowd is the descendant of Ishmael. This tribe or this crowd is a tribe of Ishmael. Now, if you read in Genesis chapter 16, you would realize that you would have thought that Abram and Sarai made a mistake, a grave mistake, by allowing Abram to sleep with Hagar, and as a result of that, Ishmael is born. But I'm here to tell you that the same mistake, the same thing that looked like a mistake in chapter 16 of Genesis, we get to 37, it is now being used to ink in the story that God has written about Joseph. I'm saying to child of God, the may, you may have made mistakes in the past, but those mistakes as a child of God are going to be used to complete your story. They are going to be used to elevate your story. They are going to be used to accelerate your story. When I read chapter 16, I thought, God, what just happened here? What just happened here? But I get to chapter 37 and I see the Midianites descendants of Ishmael are now ushering Joseph closer to his dream. Let's accelerate. So they've sold him and then they decide to take his coat and uh, kill a goat and dip his coat in, in the blood of the goat. And then they take this to the father, to their father and say, Father, do you recognize this coat? 
Could it be your son's coat? Jacob recognized it and said, it is my son's tunic. A wild beast has devoured him. Without doubt, Joseph is torn to pieces. Then Jacob tore his clothes, put sackcloth on his waist and mourned for his son many days. And all his sons and all his daughters arose to comfort him. But he refused to be comforted. And he said, I will mourn. I will mourn my son's death. Thus his father wept for him. Now here is a situation. They've just shown him evidence. And he jumps into conclusions. I'm saying and I'm asking this question to all of us. What conclusions are we reaching, have we reached from whatever evidence that stands in front of us? What have we concluded? What have we concluded based on the evidence? And it's interesting that the mind starts with a little seed, a thought, a little thought. And that thought starts to grow deep roots. What Jacob saw there was his son's coat. And he saw blood. He didn't ask whose blood that is. He assumed that that was his son's blood. It started playing in his mind, that's my son's blood. And before he knew it, he was already playing the video and saying, wild animals, vicious animals have torn my son to bits and pieces. He is dead. I shall mourn him. He decides before long, he decides he's going to mourning. He's going to mourn his son's death. I'm saying to you, what evidence are you looking at? And as a result of that, you've concluded that your life has come to an end. You've concluded that there's no future. You've concluded that your relationship is coming to an end. You've concluded that you've got no hope. You've concluded that your business is gone. You've concluded... What have you looked at? That is why in the book of Philippians, Philippians 4, Paul says to us, guard your mind. Finally, he says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, in other words, whatever is true, and in other words, he's, he's saying to us, you cannot prevent what goes into your mind, but you can Control how long it stays in your mind. Therefore, if anything comes into your mind, take it through this eight-point check. Whatever is true is what you are thinking about true. Whatever is noble, is this thing honorable? Whatever is right, does, is this thing right? If someone were to hear about your thought on this matter, would it look right? Whatever is pure, is this morally pure what you are thinking about? Whatever is lovely, can this be loving about the person? Can this be loving about God? Whatever is admirable, 
Whatever is admirable. Is it admirable? What you are thinking about? Is it true? Is it noble? Is it right? Is it pure? Is it lovely? Is it admirable? If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think on those things. What are you allowing to simmer in your mind? Are, you, are those things, I'm saying to you, whatever you are thinking about, take them through this eight-point checklist. Because family, 90% of what happens in our lives is not about what happened. It is about how we responded to what happened. And your response, your response starts in the mind. Your response to things start in the mind. That is why Jacob, he started thinking and his response was to take off his clothes. His response was to remove everything. His response was to start mourning. Where did it start? It started with him allowing things that were not pure, that were not true, that were not right, that were not noble, that were not lovely, that were not admirable, that were not praiseworthy to fester in his mind. I like the message version. It says, think the best and not the worst. Think the beautiful and not the ugly. Thoughts to praise and not things to curse. What is, what is going through your mind during these days? Because what is going through your mind will determine how you respond. If I look at those things that I mentioned, true, pure, lovely, ad admirable, those are characteristics of Jesus. That is why the Bible in 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5 says, we take captive, we are supposed to take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We are supposed to use Christ as our gauge. We are supposed to take every thought against Christ and say, does this thought meet the attribute of Christ? He is true, he is pure, he is lovely, he is admirable, he is praiseworthy. Does this meet that? The Bible says in Psalm 104 verse 34, he prays. The psalmist there, he prays. May all my thoughts be pleasing to him. May all my thoughts be pleasing to him. Now, this is where my story then comes together, where I'm saying, family, it is not your story, it is God's story about you. Because here is Jacob in the verses that we've just read, 34 and 35, he has received evidence. He has received something and he has concluded based on what he has seen. And he is saying, I will mourn until I go to the grave. I will mourn. But if you immediately jump to verse 36, the Bible says, Meanwhile, meanwhile, the Midianites sold Joseph in Egypt to Potiphar. Meanwhile, I'm saying to you in your story, there is a meanwhile. There's a side that you're not seeing. There's an aspect that you're not seeing. Because maybe you are looking at this hand of God. And God with his many hands is working something with this other hand. You are only seeing a scene to the entire movie. I'm saying to you, 
Whatever you may be going through or may have gone through, stand strong because it's not your story, it's about you. You are not the one that is writing the story. God is writing the story because there's a meanwhile to the story. There's a mean time to the story. I'm saying to you, whatever it is, there's a mean time to the story. There's something that you're not seeing that God is doing. There's something that you're not seeing that God is doing. The four lepers who were found outside the gate in the city of Samaria. They are hungry. They cannot go into the city, cannot stand at the gate because nothing is coming in, nothing is going out for them to beg because the enemy has surrounded uh, the city. They are on a complete lockdown. The enemy has locked them down. And my Bible says these four lepers decided to walk towards the camp of the enemy. Meanwhile, as they were walking, the Lord on the other side caused loud noise. The Lord on the other side caused the enemy to hear loud noise, to hear noise of chariots, to hear noise of horses and think in their mind, there's a great army coming against us and they fled and left everything. They left everything intact. They left their horses, they left their livestock, they left their donkeys, they left their jewelry, they left their food, they left everything and bolted. And the question is, as these four lepers were walking towards there, did they know that God had released favor? They didn't. I'm saying to you, in your story, there is a meanwhile. In your story, there is a meantime. In your story, there is something that you may not be seeing that God is doing. And when it does show up, it will shock you. Jacob thought his son was dead. But meanwhile, Joseph was being sold and being brought closer to the dream. I'm reminded of Mashibofeth. He is in the town a dirty town called Ladabar. And he's there. He used to be in the palace. His father was Jonathan, uh, a son of Saul. And he's now, he now finds himself in this dirty town. He is lame. He cannot walk. He, is, he has resigned. He has resigned. He has given up. But meantime, God uses David and says, David, remember you made a promise to Jonathan that you will save, you will protect his family. And now you are comfortable. Now all is well. And David said, is there anyone in Saul's family? that I may show favor to. I am saying to you, child of God, there's a meanwhile, there's a mean time to your story because it's not your story, it's a story about you. The author knows the beginning, the author knows the end. You are just reading a sentence to the whole story. Don't get hung up. Your story is in the good author's hands. Your life is in God's hands. God is in control. Let God be in control. Humble yourself under his mighty hand. Simon Peter, 
and his fishermen are fishing the whole night and they catch nothing. But meanwhile, meantime, in the story, God is collecting the fish so that when the command is given, the fish is all gathered around a place where Simon Peter and his friends pick up the greatest catch of the day. The Bible says in Genesis 48 verse 11, this is much later, the famine has come, Jacob sends his son to Egypt where the food is, to go and buy supplies there. To cut the long story short, eventually the entire family of Jacob ends up in Egypt. And here is what Jacob says in Genesis chapter 48, verse 11. The Bible says, Then Jacob said to Joseph, I never thought I would see your face again, but now God has let me see your children too. Child of God, if there's anything that you need to take away, is that the story, what you are reading, what you are seeing, is not going to end the way you are seeing. Jacob mourns his son's assumed death, and here, towards the end of his life, he sees, he has an encounter with his son. And he says, I never thought I would see you again. God blesses you exceedingly abundantly above what you may think. He says, I never thought I'd see you again, but look, I'm, I'm even seeing my grandchildren. I'm even seeing your two sons. Because there was a chapter, there was a paragraph that Jacob stuck to, held himself to, but God, had written the entire story. God had written the entire story about Joseph. And here he is now realizing that this thing was much bigger than I thought. I was just a conduit to God's plan. Trust in the author of your story. Humble yourself. Let God be the driver of your life. It may get bumpy. It may get smooth. But the one thing that you should be assured of is that the one that's driving the car has got your interest in mind. The one that's driving your car has got you in mind. It's his story about you. Don't own a story that is not yours. This is God's story about you. You know, I sort of pondered. Did I decide which year I would be born? Did I decide which continent I would be born into? Did I decide which family 
I would be born into. Now, if the one that knitted me in my mother's womb, and when I'm now breathing and alive, won't he continue knitting my life? The Bible says in Proverbs 3 verse 5, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. It goes back to what you allow to come into your mind because your understanding is premised on what you think. Trust in the one who has unlimited power. Trust in the one who is the author of your story. Trust in the one whose thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Trust in the one whose ways are higher than our ways. I'm saying to you, child of God, trust in God. In the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 1, verse 8, Paul reflects and says, it will, it will be unfortunate of me. He says, we think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure and we thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die. Other versions says, say we had written our death sentence. It was beyond our control. We, it, we couldn't handle it. We couldn't endure it. We couldn't deal with it. But as a result, this is your take home. As a result, we stopped relying on ourselves. I'm saying to you, stop relying, stop trusting in yourself, learn to trust in God. He says, he says, and we learn to rely only, to rely only on God who raises the dead. Not who raised the dead, but who raises the dead. And he did rescue us from mortal danger. In other words, he has done it before and he will rescue us again. We have placed our confidence in him and he will continue to rescue us. I'm saying to you, God will not bring you here to leave you here as you are. God is going to continue what he started in your life. God has a story that he has written about you. Don't get stuck. Don't get hung up in the chapter, in the verse. This is God's story. It's not your story. The one that authored your story, the one that wrote your story, has a meanwhile. What you are seeing in this verse, meanwhile. Just a verse before, Joseph has declared that his son is dead. But... Just a verse after, in 37, in 36 rather, it says, Meanwhile, I'm saying to you, learn from what Paul shares with us here. You know, Paul is someone who wrote so many letters to churches, wrote so many books, but he says, we came to realize we came to learn, we came to appreciate, we came to acknowledge that we should not rely on ourselves, but rely and trust and have our confidence only in God. 
And I'm saying to you, God is the author of your story. God is the writer of your story. Trust in him. Lean not on your own understanding. Trust in him who has enormous powers. Trust in him, child of God. Trust in him. Trust in God. As I close, I just want to take this opportunity and invite someone who hasn't made his way right with Jesus. Jesus is the way to the Father. Now is a chance for you to make your, your way. Your way is right. He's there to receive you. He doesn't want you to perfect yourself before you come to him. Just lift up your hand with me and let's pray. Father, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you for salvation that comes through Jesus. I'm a sinner and without the blood of Jesus, my sins can never be washed, can never be removed. And I, I accept you this morning, Jesus, as my Lord and Savior. Today, I am a new creation. Holy Spirit, I receive you. Begin the work in me so that I may conform into the image of Christ. I thank you, Jesus. I give all the glory in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. Family, just uh, as a reminder, I did say today is, um, is prayer day. I would like you to um, take time as a family, preferably at home, um, just to spend time in prayer. First, thanking God for what he's done for us and also praying for the nation, praying for the country, praying for the world and praying for our leaders, praying for those in the forefront of COVID-19 and praying that um, uh, may God just blow his breath into his world and remove COVID completely. Father, we give all the glory, we give all the honor.